0: Welcome fellow traveler, you are now listening to the Tent Theology podcast. Each week we have a tent talk where we pursue the renewing of the Christian social and political imagination. Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Tent Theology, the podcast where we are trying to renew the social and political imagination for Christians, or as I should probably say by now, the followers of Jesus. Seeing as I made a big deal of not using the word Christian, I probably should stop using it myself. Uh, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Chris Marchand. And we are together going to have a good chat with Joanne Green. Joanne is the Senior Policy Advisor for Tier Fund, a large NGO based here in the United Kingdom. And Joanne is someone who I immediately thought of when we were trying to think about how to do something positive how do you do something new how do you live politically without being embroiled in partisan politics and how do you have a political imagination that is somehow bigger than that lazy and boring horizon of vote for the red team so the blue team doesn't win how do we have something bigger and better than that how do we have a christ-inspired political imagination one of my thoughts first thoughts was let's get joanne in joanne is somebody i know who's who does the stuff she's doing the work and i'm going to ask her more about this but i wanted to recommend this kind of uh, work and joanne's approach to the listeners who might be despairing that they that being political means you must you can only vote every 4 or 5 years and that you have to join a political party or you have to run for government and I know that's not true. And I know there's other ways of being engaged in the world without uh, having to just be totally subsumed by it. So, Joanne, it's so nice to have you here. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, Joanne, please, can you tell everyone what in the world a senior policy advisor is and also what Tier Fund is?
1: It might be best to start with Tier Fund. So okay, Tier yep. Fund is a Christian relief and development charity. Uh, We work in 50 of the poorest countries around the world in Asia, Africa and Latin America. And we work in partnership with the church in those countries, um, supporting and enabling and learning from the church in those countries um, in how to make a difference, how to get alongside people um, in poor communities, people in poverty and use their own skills and abilities and capacities to get out of poverty. Um, And really our passion, big passion, is is supporting the church to do that. We believe it's the church's role to respond to their communities and the needs in their communities Mm. and also to speak out as well about those needs because we believe poverty is caused often by um, decisions that are made Mm. by people in power. And we want to get the voices of the poor, support the voices of the, of the poorest and the marginalised into the corridors of power as well. Okay. So that's what Tier Fund does. And then my role is um, as a senior policy advisor is to work out, to do research, to understand, to kind of look at look at particular issues that are causing poverty, to understand why and how they are causing poverty then to see what should what do we think should be done about them so to do more research talk to our partners in in the church in the global in the in developing countries or the global south Mm -hmm. um, and ask them what they think should be done and then to develop recommendations for people in power and then to target those people in power to build relationships with them to work with my campaigns team uh, our campaigns team to to get the messages out to ordinary people so that they can take action and they can also call on those same decision makers. And also to work with media, to our media team as well to get those messages out into the media. Mm-hmm. I once heard it said um, by somebody who worked with Gordon Brown, who's a former UK Prime Minister, that if you can get um, his special advisor telling him something and also his hairdresser,
2: mm-hmm. then
1: you will influence... Um, you know, that decision maker, you will influence the prime minister. So, we want to get our message into mm. the sort of specialists, mm-hmm. you know, the policy wonks, but we also want to get the ordinary people on the street and particularly the church engaged in these issues and living differently because of these issues as well, because they've got implications for our lifestyles.
0: And in your work, are you mo- mainly in the special advisor? sphere or are you in the hairdresser sphere where where is your attention (laughs) primarily focused
1: more in the special advisor sphere uh so so yeah so we we would work with the sort of mobilizers um the, the campaigns team and they are the specialists in working out how to tailor the messages that we are coming up with for ordinary people to engage so they are brilliant at coming up with um films and campaigns and yeah we've had we've had a lot of success recently with a campaign called the rubbish campaign which I think it might not really work for a US audience but for a UK talking, audience, talking
0: trash should we call it talking, talking trash, trash
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so they, they sort of come up with engaging and humorous ways of um whereas with special advisors that's less important
0: right right <laughs> Tell us about the rubbish campaign. Is this this what's occupying your heart and mind these days?
1: It is, it is. So we launched the rubbish campaign uh, over a year ago. We launched a big report at the time uh, with Sir David Attenborough, Mm -hmm. uh, who um, backed our report, which was very exciting, and I got to meet him. Um, And we are basically highlighting how there are these companies, uh, many of which will be household names, so PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, Unilever, and Nestle, uh, who sell billions of items of single-use plastics in poorer countries around the world, in, and also in this country, you know, in this country, mm-hmm. and in the US and other countries, re- wealthier countries. Um, but they are selling these items of single-use plastic in poorer countries where there are no bin or trash collections where there's no way of people managing their waste. So people have to burn that plastic openly, mm-hmm. which causes respiratory problems, breathing problems, or they have to dump it in the road or in the river. It could end up as ocean plastic. It can end up blocking drains. It creates massive health and environmental problems.
0: I'm am a well-meaning but ignorant guy. What's a single-use plastic? Straws? Ketchup? packets what does it yeah the... those
1: little sachets that you might okay. buy get, get right. it, um but also like a a coke bottle
0: okay right gotcha. um
1: would be one as well um in so in poorer countries so the, the likes of unilever and nestle will sell obviously here we might buy dove shampoo or a nest um trying to think of some nestle items you might buy like a cocoa cocoa powder of like a big bottle of cocoa powder but in poorer countries, they can't afford to buy those items. So they, they're they sold as little sachets.
0: Right. More like what you see in a hotel room or something sometimes.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So they're single-serve single, single serve sachets. Gotcha, yeah. Um, and they can't be recycled and yeah. they have absolutely no value. So they end up, literally billions of them are sold. Yeah. And they're one of the biggest items that are found on, like, beaches, you know, in the street, mm-hmm. is these sachets.
0: And there's causing... Real health problems, immediate concerns. Yeah. Exactly. So, what do you so do we, about
1: we, it? So we've been arguing the thing of oh, this is your rubbish. It's your responsibility. You know, you're basically making a profit.
0: Yeah.
1: Of um, creating huge environmental and, and health problems, um, and that's morally wrong. So, and and it actually doesn't have to be this way. You know, mm-hmm. there are alternatives. So we really want to see a shift away from the single use. So from that sort of take stuff out the ground, make stuff and then chuck it, Mm -hmm. because that's not sustainable in the longer term. And we want to see like refillable um, and reusable containers being used. And this is actually happening already in places like Chile, um, where there will be a, a a woman or a man who go around in their bike with a little kind of trolley on the back and mm-hmm. people can go up and they can take their containers and they can fill up their containers with the right. item.
0: So it's a job um, creation. There's some work that can yeah. be created out of refillable.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we think that's, you know, in the longer term, that's a much better option, but right. so we're asking them to move away from single use plastic, but we're also saying in the meantime, because obviously that's going to take a bit of time to move completely away from single use plastic. You need to collect So for everything that you sell, for every one you sell, you need to collect one. Um, So we've been, that's what the campaign's been around. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've had, you know, we've engaged with the companies. We're having really regular conversations, but we've also had over 50,000 people in the UK alone write to those companies and say, we want to see action. And then we also had a huge amount of media coverage as well because of Sir David Attenborough's involvement and then of other subsequent reports that we've written, we were on the front pages of, news, of newspapers in mm-hmm. the UK. We've, we've had amazing coverage across the world as well. So, And that's getting the media coverage has had a really significant impact, I would say, on the companies um, and has really got them thinking yeah. um, and rethinking as well as, as well as knowing that people who might buy their products in the UK are concerned about what they're doing in other countries.
0: So you're raising the awareness, you're making a stink about it, and you're offering practical solutions all at the same time,
1: yeah, exactly, so we're trying to get we're trying to make sure that there's nowhere to turn basically
0: yeah right <laughs> there's
1: no excuse yeah you know we we want cons- customers on side, we want you know there to yeah like you say that media pressure, and then yeah. we want to be able to offer the practical practical alternatives
0: so John we've You've just described popular culture, business, uh, church. Are you political? How is this political?
1: Um, I think it's political because everything, pretty much everything in our life is is shaped by politics, whether or not we realise it, particularly for people in poverty. They are at, even more so at the mercy of those decisions, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so I feel as a Christian, it's our responsibility to speak up, speak with ideally those people and get their voices heard with the powerful, because the decisions that are made by powerful, whether that's in government or whether that's in corporations, have the ability to change their lives.
0: You just you just sort of jogged my my memory here or just reminded me that yeah, politics is about the gathering and the using and the sharing of power and voting in party politics is one of the ways we do that, but so is advocating. And so is how you spend your money. And so is, right. That's, that's why it's political is because you're about power, people using power for other people.
1: Absolutely. And I think also, I mean, one of the things that Tear Funds very passionate about is about shaping social norms and values. And we want to see the church particularly at the forefront of shaping social norms and values, because we believe that at the moment our world is on a collision course, um, particularly around climate change. um, And that if we don't make very, very uh, ambitious plans to change the course that we're on, um, there are going to be extremely serious consequences for everybody, but but particularly for, for the poorest people. And so, but we believe that at the moment, governments are nowhere near hmm. understanding the scale of the change that needs to happen mm-hmm. because the electorate basically is not demanding that often.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and doesn't realize. So, our passion really is to see the church sort of saying, we're, we're willing to live differently. We're willing, uh, we, we're happy for our priorities to change. We're willing not to kind of fly overseas on holidays. We're willing to eat less meat we're willing to do all the, we're willing to have green energy, you know, we're Mm -hmm. we're changing our electricity to green energy. You know, we had a big campaign around that where thousands of churches and Christians in the UK changed. And then we can go to politicians and say, look, ordinary people are doing these things. Ordinary people are willing to do this. And that has a huge impact Mm. um, on politicians when they hear and see that actually people want to make those decisions and they want to live differently um, and they're willing to do that and actually think that that might actually be a better life anyway.
0: <laughs> right. You <know? laughs> You're not even asking people to have a terrible life. You're saying this is a better way of living. Okay. Tell me about church uh, when you have to engage with churches. What are the some of the how do you negotiate that space? What does it what does it feel like to bring this message? This, the the the, the single use plastic message. What does that feel like to bring that into a church and try and get them engaged?
1: It we. We found people to be amazingly receptive. So we did last year, um, there's a big festival in the UK called Big Church Day Out. Mm-hmm. and um, Happens five minutes had...
0: away from where I live.
1: I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and we had the likes of Pete Greg get up on the stage and speak about the rubbish campaign. It was kind of launched um, okay. at, at the Big Church Day Out. Um, I don't know how many people go to the Big Church Day Out, but 11,000 people signed our petition just on that day at the Big Church Day Out. Yeah, I think the reception was amazing because what we found was that people had seen a huge amount around single-use plastics from David Attenborough, from Sir David Attenborough, and about the impact on the environment and on fish and um, marine life. But they didn't know that it was also affecting people in poverty. So to have a, a Christian agency explain from a Christian perspective why this is important for the environment but also for people in poverty and actual
0: people yeah
1: as tier fund supporters and as people who also care deeply about people in poverty I think they were just tremendously excited to have all those linkages made you know for them and and it gave them I think so many reasons to to engage with this issue and to sign the petition so with that issue, we it's been a very fertile ground. It's not always that way. Mm-hmm. But I think when you can be current and relevant, it helps a lot.
0: Do you ever encounter... I encounter this all the time, trying to talk about politics and the gospel. People say, oh, the gospel has nothing to do with politics. Or being a Christian has nothing to do with social engagement. Do you encounter that kind of stuff in, in your work?
1: Yes, although less so. I think people... Okay. Early on, so I, I worked at Tier Fund many years ago um, when we just started engaging in mm. advocacy and influencing. Uh, this was about 20 years ago. And I haven't been at Tier Fund the whole time, so I've got to come back to work at Tier Fund. But you would get it a lot more then. And you still do get it occasionally now, where Christians say in churches, as you say, we shouldn't get involved in that, or what's the relevance? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we would always try to explain to them that as Christians we're called to be salt and light, you know, we're called to be the difference, to demonstrate through our actions, through the church, we should be a different community, we should look different, we should be distinctive, we should try to kind of embody that kind of new kingdom, that king, the kingdom of God, but we should also speak out as well at the same time about the stuff that's going on beyond the church and in society that don't match up that doesn't match up to those values you know there's a very very clear tradition in the bible of that prophetic speaking out to those in power
0: yeah
1: hopefully we're trying to stand in in that tradition but at the same time we have to be honest that we don't have all the answers and we don't live perfect lives and but we we try we we're trying to to live with integrity and and to have some humility about that as well um, and to say that we are trying to change and I think it's been interesting in the discussions with with governments and with companies, you know, they're very used to people just shouting at them and telling them you need to change, but to actually say, we know we need to change too. You know, we're trying to be different. We're trying to
0: live differently. Interesting because I mean, you referred to the old Testament sort of tradition of the prophets and they're, they're usually quite angry kind of shouting against places of power, but you don't seem angry. (laughs) You don't seem, you're, you're not shouting. But you are definitely being prophetic. So so have you found that? I mean, I'm sure, Joanne, you've had Mm. an angry, uh, I'm sure you've had your angry phases, but you don't seem angry and yet you are committed. So where is the place? Like, how do you approach these people who are in their positions of authority? Have you approached them with anger before? And if so, why don't you still do it that way?
1: So I think, I think there has there have been moments where I definitely have got more passionate or got expressed that passion, <laughs> I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, there are times when that is absolutely right, that there are times when it's the right call. And I think it's, you know, um, a difficult judgment to make, mm. but I think often though, I think being, you know, we're trying to build personal relationships Right. At the same time, we we are trying to restore relationships, and we we know that we, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we are being witnesses to Him as well. And it's quite important to us that we that we think the best of people, right? Even
0: even Nestle
1: people, <laughs> even Nestle, um, we try to think the best, whilst also. Beings having a healthy dose of skepticism, I would say. At the same time, I can always remember the serpent and the dove. Serpent
0: and the dove, I, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's really important to us: is is not demonizing people, and kind of calling out what we think will be the best thing. And and that's kind of with the rubbish campaign; it's had this element of humor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read any of our materials, there's quite a strong element of humor, and trying to be winning, but at the same time, there is truth in there and there are some very hard facts in there at the same time
0: so yeah have you found fellow travelers in unexpected places or people of peace
1: definitely and I think you know we found found people of peace and also fellow um Christians in positions of power who have been incredibly important Mm. in getting really significant shifts and and seeing really significant decisions and I remember once in 2002, we had uh, we were trying to get the UK government supporting the UK government to negotiate at a big UN conference, uh, trying to trying to get them to really push and the European Union because at the time oh, still we are still part of the European Union. Yeah. We we had to negotiate with the with the European Union, you know, in in the big UN negotiations, and we were trying to get a particular target agreed. the the kind of head of the uk negotiations was a christian and because of the relationship that we had built we had a really high degree of trust Mm. um and i felt i could share intelligence with him that i was getting from the australian government delegation from another christian in the australian government because the australian governments were blocking
2: is this a
0: so, scoop, uh, a Joanne? Of- have I just re- have you just revealed? It might the scoop?
1: be. It might be. <laughs> it might be. So uh, we had the US and the Australians blocking, and basically we heard that the Australian government would back down if the European Union held out to the end, to the to the to the eleventh hour. And I basically gave that information to the UK government representative, um, and the EU did hold out, and the Australian government did. Capitulate, and the US was left isolated. In the end, agreed to it as well. So it was, yeah, that was a that's a really good example, I think, of kind of Christians um, working together.
2: You you know, this this has really sparked my imagination, and uh, one of the insights that I was, as you were talking, like the 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 big church day out. uh, In in a way, the when when you get people to sign a petition. And then you take that petition somewhere else. Like you take that to somebody and you, and you, you show them, see, see, this is what we have here. And and in its own way, that's like a vote. There's like a, there's kind of a correlation there. And like, and I really like Stephen, like as an American, when you've said before, uh, your, your vote really doesn't amount to a whole lot, you know. My head was just nodding up and down. Yes, yes, it doesn't. And and the the futility of a vote. Uh, and and there's a lot of petitions in America as well. I mean, people are you know are asking us to sign for different things all the time. And so, but but let's say I was at the big church day out and I, and I signed it and then. And then you go and you take it to a company, a huge company, and uh, you are, in, in a way, you're my member of parliament. You're my, even though you haven't been voted in necessarily, in a way, when you're dealing with these larger companies or maybe even nations themselves, it's it's almost like you're trying to work around the law. And what I mean by that is, is we could enact mm-hmm. a law to get rid of single-use pl- plastics. Let's, let's just do it. Let's just cut cut it off. But you're... Could you speak a little bit about how you get people to try to change something that isn't just about, well, we've changed the law and now it has to uh-huh. change. Instead, you're saying, hey, listen, huge a mega company, this is what is good. This is a good thing to do. And we're appealing to you. And look, we've even made some changes ourselves. Uh, could, could you speak to that, to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, I do think laws are, are really important, and but, but they do have limitations in, in the case of these corporations, uh, they are operating in countries where governments have very little ability to regulate what they are doing. I mean, they don't often these countries will not have you know, the poorest, the, the lowest income countries will not have any people who are technically qualified at local government level in being a waste manager you know, in knowing how to deal with, with the waste and different types of waste. So to expect them to implement, legislate, let alone implement laws, is is unrealistic at the moment. And, and in that context, we have really emphasised, you know, the moral responsibility of companies to, to clean up, to reduce, to have a positive impact. We've actually put it a lot of the time like that to actually say that, business should be and, and can and often is a force for good um, and it has as clear a moral purpose as any other actor and it has clear responsibilities and duties as any other actor and so actually you know we shouldn't need legislation you, you should be doing this anyway um, and, and particularly in this context where the government is unable to legislate you have a re- you and you have the ability you know these companies spend billions of pounds a year on advertising trying to get people to buy these products um they have the technical know-how they have the resources they have the people to actually be able to sort this problem out so you have the know-how and you have it's it's your rubbish so therefore you know you need to clear clean that up and i think um i think that has been a really strong message I don't think it's you know unfortunately it's not enough by itself you know the, these companies are often they have investors they have you know many investors in Wall Street <laughs> who, um, who are more interested in the bottom line and I think that's also an area where as citizens and as followers of Jesus we can also speak out and speak up in the kind of finance sphere as well um so that's been something else that we've um we're sort of exploring at the moment too mm-hmm. but you know there are often there are many examples of where legislation has been enacted and um you know it, it produces perverse results and and we see like people's you know, ultimately what really matters is is people's hearts and legislation can kind of help um, in some ways, but it can't really change people's hearts. And I think that's what's a huge privilege for me of working for a Christian agency that understands it's not just the law, the external, it is our desires that need to change as well.
0: But you're not doing so in a way that's just going back to that old individualism. I mean, you're clearly operating in a world which recognizes how interconnected we are how how one person's you know decision to buy coke in illinois is going to is going to be connected to somebody living in somalia for example and so you're not individualistic Absolutely. even though you do believe in the importance of the human heart yeah
1: no which we're, we're trying to create a movement of, of people within the church that are we we want the church to be at the kind of vanguard of, of a wider societal movement of people who are willing to live differently um you know when we ask people to sign that petition we also ask people to to pledge to give up single-use plastic for 40 days
2: now, i was just going to ask that because in some ways I'm, I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking as a good, uh, evangelical middle-class Christian where, where it's great that you're going to do that over right. there. <laughs> like, oh yeah, they should really clean up that problem over there. Um, it, I, I imagine how, how big it is. Oh yeah. Um, but, but the challenge for my own life to go, what, oh, you want me to give up single use plastic too? I don't even know what that means. Um, because we have a good system, right? We have it. I'm, and by good, I, I don't know. I can put uh, quotes around that. Uh, but we recycle, right? Uh, I, I recycle my plastic bottles, and so I, I think I see the the, the, the more long term ramifications. Is you're actually asking all of the UK to change how they they operate? Is that is that correct?
1: That is. So, I mean, I I don't know too much about the US, but I don't think your recycling rates are that great, actually. But um, I, I think I think Europe is a bit better. But even with recycling, for example, so what you're doing is every time you recycle, which obviously creates quite a lot of carbon emissions itself to do that recycling, you have to downgrade the recycling. So a lot of the, for example, your Coke bottle will end up being made into mm-hmm. a bag, let's say. So it's, you can't recycle back to the yeah. same level, the kind of same grade, plastic grade. You can't make another plastic bottle out mm-hmm. of that plastic bottle. Um, and then what happens is that bag will get washed, let's say, um, or that item of clothing will get washed. We're seeing more and more recycled um, clothing items now. And then that will end up as a microplastic, which then goes into yeah. the water, which then you drink or goes into yeah. the environment. Goes. In. So the thing with plastic is once it's made, you can't actually get rid of it. It's there yeah. forever, whether it's um, burnt, it goes into the atmosphere Or whether it's kind of chucked on the ground or whether it's made into recycled into something else once it's there it's there and we can only deal with so much single-use plastic in fact in the UK um, we we have until recently exported more than half of our single-use plastic to other countries including many poor countries because we can't deal with the amount of plastic that we are going through and if we as a rich country can't Mm -hmm. deal with it I don't know how we expect other Mm -hmm. countries to do that.
0: Joanne, as we come into land, please can you tell us where we might go for more information, how we could become engaged if people want to do something about changing their life or helping other people? Where could we go? What could we do?
1: So Tier Fund has many brilliant resources. We've actually just launched a new campaign, which is um, really looking at the context that we're in at the moment with coronavirus and the fact that it's highlighted a lot of injustices and inequalities in our societies um Mm. obviously black lives matter has been one of the big movements that's really capitalized rightly so on those inequalities that have been exposed amongst black and asian communities um but also we're looking at the fact that you know people on the front line who are dealing with this crisis have been very much more exposed to it poorer communities Mm -hmm. around the world in our own country and around the world don't have the resources to sort of protect themselves or the income reliable income and have been thrown into destitution you know whole economies are sort of going under Um, and Mm -hmm. so we're looking at this as a big opportunity really to say well you know given these inequalities that are there that are being exposed even more and that new investments are going to have to be made. We're going to have to build back. Let's build back better. Let's build back in a way that does um, that does treat people fairly, that that treats our environment well, that actually makes this world a better place for future generations to live in. Um, so we've got a big campaign. It's called the Reboot Campaign, and it's actually brilliant because it's it's got resources on how to engage with your church about this issue um it's got resources we're we're asking people to, to the uk prime minister for example um and raise concerns with him about what the changes that we want to see so it's looking at and also at kind of individual level as well and changes that you can make so it's kind of at the whole kind of different um sectors or kind of audiences that it's speaking to and um I think that would be a great place for people to start. And it's very resonant with what's obviously happening at the moment.
0: Well, rebooting and rebuilding imaginations is part of what we're trying to do here as well. And there is a tier fund in America as well, I think, that people could look to if they're interested in the work of the advocacy. There
1: is. It recently launched a couple yeah. of years ago. And yeah, they so for more US contextual resources, that would be a great place to look
0: as well. John Green, thank you so much for joining us at Tenth Theology. We really appreciate the time that you spent helping us see that there is a better way. You're welcome. <laughs> well, bless you and your work, and we'll talk soon, I hope. Goodbye.
1: Thank you.
2: Bye. To further support the show, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media and learn more about Tenth Theology at www.tenththeology.com. Thank you for joining us and God bless everyone.